what goes up must come down. Welcome to the Brand Breakdown. I'm Michelle. And I'm Courtney. And this is where we're going to track the rise and fall of big brands, from companies to celebs to pop culture phenoms and everything in between. Let's get started. Hello, fans, friends, and family. Welcome back to the Brand Breakdown. Today, we are doing uh, an episode of the Royal Weekly Wrap-Up. There was a lot of things in the news last week for our royal clans. Uh, it was Christmas, it was New Year's, it was all the things. So we have our Royal Aficionado, Courtney, here this morning to tell us what's been happening. Good morning, Courtney. Good morning. Um, so the I'm, tr- I'm like trying to figure out where to start. Um, so last week, obviously, or the week before, we're a little bit behind um, due to all the holidays. But biggest royal thing in the news is that we had our Christmas walk at Sandringham. So Christmas Day is always a huge day for the royals. We've got the Christmas walk in the morning. We've got the King's Speech in the afternoon. Um, and this year was just kind of a leading up to Christmas Day was kind of an interesting thing because we had kept hearing rumors that the Sussexes were trying to get an invitation, that they would be open to an invite to Sandringham to spend Christmas with the family, which they have not done in years. And we, so everyone was kind of wondering, it was pretty well thought that they wouldn't actually be receiving an invitation, but you never know. Things things happen. People get surprised. And turns out they were not there. And not only were they not there, but we saw nary a, nary a shadow of the Sussexes. Um, they were in Costa Rica with their kids a couple days before Christmas. And some reports said they left just before Christmas. Some reports said they spent the holiday there. Um, but they were in Costa Rica with the kids. But they did not release any sort of Christmas message. Um, they put out their Christmas card around the same time that the rest of the royals did a couple of weeks ago. And it was... It was pretty much an Archwell Christmas card. There were no photos of their kids. There was no mention of the kids. It was Archwell Foundation and Archwell Productions and the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So keeping it strictly professional, as it were. And then they also caught some flack in the press right around Christmas time. And they were being called the Muppets of Montecito, which is not a great moniker. <laughs> No, but I mean, okay, so it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of sad. <laughs> um, and I, I feel sorry for them because I think that no matter which way they step, they are stepping in a big pile of poo because they they just have done so many things in the last year, year and a half, two years to hurt their brand. And the articles I was reading this morning, they were talking specifically about their brand together as a couple and how many hits it's taken. And I just think that, the reason we didn't see them on Christmas, the reason they didn't release a personal Christmas card, you know, to, to the public or whatever, is because they've been told, like, lay low. Like, no one wants to see you or hear from you or know anything you're doing. We need to let everything breathe and rest while we're in the holiday season before you announce your new projects. Do you kind of feel like that's what's happening? I hope that's what's happening. I hope that they're taking the advice that's being given to them. Um I think we're definitely seeing the two of them split in terms of their brands together, not necessarily obviously their personal life, but I think that their brands are definitely diverging. They're no longer going out there as like Harry and Meghan dynamic duo. Um, we saw Meghan do that. We talked about it last time, the clever coffee commercial. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it was yeah. 
that was it was very tongue in cheek. She was in the commercial because she was an investor in the company, and it was just kind of like a silly little cameo that she did. Um, but she took a lot of flack for that, and that's something that if if everything that had happened in the last four years hadn't happened, if they had just stepped back, gone their own way from the royal family kept their head down a little bit and not just been trashing the Royals the whole time. People would have seen that commercial and thought, oh my gosh, how fun. Like, look, there's Megan on TV. Like, how cute. And instead, they got ripped apart. People were saying it was pathetic. Like, oh, look how far she's fallen, which isn't the case. She was in the commercial because she's an investor. It's not that she was in the commercial because that's the only acting job she could get (laughs) was the background in a commercial. Um, But people are taking things that are intentionally meant to be lighthearted and tongue-in-cheek and trashing them for it. And so I do hope that someone has said to them, listen, just keep your head down, stay out of the way for a little bit, and let people get back to kind of like a neutral point with you all before you introduce any new projects. It's been said that Megan really wants to get back into acting. Um, I don't think she's going to have much luck with that if people still have such a negative feeling towards her because who's going to want her attached to a project when they know sad. that people aren't going to be interested in watching it. Yeah, so. you know, she she wasn't a bad actress. Like, I loved Suits. I thought that show was adorable. Yeah, same. Like, uh, and same. I think it's having a big renaissance right now on Netflix. Um, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I watched the whole thing actually just this year. I had never watched it before. So mm-hmm. I watched all of them. <laughs> you know, I binged. Mm-hmm. I watched all of them this year and thought she was adorable. Um, but she was a completely different person when she was on Suits. So, you know, would she take a, um, you know, a role on a show again where she's just part of an ensemble cast? Um, or would she have to be the marquee player? That's something that I think they're probably trying to work out as well. You know, what kind of player is she in the acting world? Because while she's a good actress and she's still adorable and, you know, all of that, there are a million of them. There are a million good actresses mm-hmm. that are all adorable that don't have the, the kind of scandal that she has attached to her name. So, right. um, so it's got to be just kind of some sticky wickets that they're having to walk through right now, figuring out what they're, what they're going to do with her brand individual from his um, they're they're right. less the dynamic duo than they are the dud duo. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think too, as far as her acting career goes, she also has to navigate the hurdle of if she signs on to an acting project and she's not the headliner, she knows she's going to catch flack for it, right? Like people are going to jump on that being like, wow, all this publicity and notoriety that you have and you are still not the headliner in this project. And so she's probably – hesitant to take a role as the supporting actress, you know? Yeah. And so when she was on Suits, she was in her early 30s and she was still young and whatever. Now she's hitting that threshold age in Hollywood where uh. even though she still looks amazing, but now it's like, okay, do you want to play – like you're going to play the mom. And she might be like, no, I don't want to play the mom because I never got to have my like ingenue phase or whatever, you know? Right. Um, and so the <laughs> – no one's an ingenue in their 30s. I'm so sorry right. to break your, burst right. your bubble. So she, so she ne- but she never got that phase. And so she probably could have swung it when, when she first started on Suits. I think when Suits first started, she was still in her 20s. Um, but now she's going to be getting offered those roles of, okay, well, you can play the mom, you know? And she might be kind of like, I don't want to play the mom. That's not a role. 
and, and I also can't I just can't really see what role Megan would play because I feel like there's something to be said for actors and actresses where once they hit a point of saturation in the media, it becomes too hard to watch them on TV and allow mm-hmm. yourself to only focus on what they're doing on screen. You know, like there's yeah. like when I think an example of this, you happened to ask me the other day if I like Ben Affleck and JLo. And I was like, yeah, I'm obsessed with Ben <laughs> Affleck. He's like my celebrity crush. And I would like do anything to look half as good as JLo looks now. She is she's ridiculously just gorgeous. Like it's so stupid. Like, How does she look like that at 54? It's unbelievable. I have no idea. It and she doesn't unreal. look like she's had work. Like, okay, quick I know. sidebar. It doesn't look like she's had work. And if she has I know. had work, please, dear God, give me the name of her plastic surgeon. Because it's worth it's worth every penny. If she is oh paying, like, whatever skincare products she's using, I will buy all of them. Whatever right? plastic surgeon she is visiting, I will get myself on that wait list and mortgage my house for it. Like, she, yeah, she looks, looks unbelievable. incredible. Unbelievable. Her it's skin nuts. is ridiculous. Her mm-hmm. body is still ridiculous. And I don't mean like, yeah. hey, she's got a nice body, looks good in a suit. Like she she is so toned, but like the perfect yeah. kind of toned, you know? She's not yeah. too muscular. She's not too like she's per like she's perfect. And she's I, just I mean, perfect. I know, she's perfect. I know I know I sound like I have such a girl crush, but it's like you look at I some, have a girl I mean, crush. I'm not ashamed. I do. I know. She's really, like, in the 80s, there was a model, you won't remember her probably, but her name was Kathy Ireland. And she was the, she was the cover of. She has a furniture collection um, now. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was the cover (laughs) of Sports Illustrated numerous years. And she, she wasn't just, like, beautiful. She was, like, otherworldly perfect. She and, like, Elle McPherson and a couple people like that. I put J-Lo in that category where she doesn't age. She's ageless. It's yeah. insan- It's insanity. Like, and she seems, you know, as as much as she likes her fine things, and I've heard that, like, and she has an entourage, blah, blah, blah. I got all that. I would, too, probably. And she seems kind of fun. Like, she seems like she'd be yeah. fun to hang out with, you know? Not that we're Did you watch out, the... But- documentary of when oh, she did her Super Bowl performance a couple yep, years yep, ago. Yep. Loved so it. So good. And she just seems like, like you said, like even though she has her entourage and she's got like, you know, she doesn't necessarily lead a normal person like down to earth life. She still seems like a normal person and down to earth, but she's sitting in her like million dollar everything. But you're still right, like, oh, well, I could hang yeah. out with her. Like we could go run and grab a coffee really quick <laughs> totally. and like okay. have a good chat. All right, anyway, so sidebar. Let's put, put JLo and Ben on our list of people, brands to cover because their two brands oh, for sure. separately are amazing. And their brand together is feels like it's got, like it was doing really well. You know, it had that initial rocky start 20 years ago and then now it, it's back together, but it still feels like it's a tiny bit rocky. So I would love to. Um, what? No. Oh my God. That's why I sent you that stuff yesterday. I was showing you that they, you know, like all, one of the Tattler magazines or whatever took some pictures of them, which looks like they're in a big giant fight. And I thought maybe they're just oh my God, they Ben's no. new movie. Yeah. I think here's, okay. So here, this takes us back to right where we were. So Ben and JLo, they are two people where like, if you, when you see them on screen now, specifically JLo, Ben is like such an amazing actor. I think that like, you know, you you can get like – you forget you're watching Ben Affleck. I mean, I don't because I'm obsessed with him. But like other people, like you can forget you're watching Ben Affleck tabloid star and you're like just watching this amazing actor on screen. But Ben does a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff now. J-Lo oh, rarely – such an amazing director. Um, 
Jen rarely uh, Jen like I'm her friend right <laughs> right y'all Jen, are tight <laughs> uh, <laughs> J Lo rarely appears on screen anymore although she did do the Amazon movie last year but when you're watching her you still are thinking like this is J Lo you know because right. she's so infamous and even the the movie that she did last year uh, last year or the year before I don't know it was Owen Wilson and she oh, was, it was um the wedding she day played the wedding night? yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, but she so paid oh, marry me. It was marry me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she played I mean, a pop star. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But she played a pop star. Like she kind of played herself, you know? So like even when she's acting now, she's still kind of like she still has to be like, if you're gonna believe this, then she has to be a famous person on TV because it won't work if she just tries to play normal because she's so not. And I think Megan would have that same problem where you could not watch her mm-hmm. on TV or in a movie and be like, yeah, this is just an actress because she's not not to like knock her. She's a great actress, but like she's not the type of actor where, you know, it's Ben Affleck or I don't know, give me some other like the Kate Winslet where like I can watch Kate Winslet do anything and forget that she's Kate Winslet. You know what I mean? Um, like she's Mary not Beast that type. Him. That was really good. Yeah. Um, so I, I have dude, to I had say, to stop watching it. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I was actually really, really ill when that came out and I had to stop watching it because it was freaking me out. Um, it was so upsetting to, to me. <laughs> it was upsetting to me as well. So I have to say this. Uh, J-Lo and Megan, like they're in different stratospheres. Like J-Lo has far exceeded what oh, Megan has yeah. ever done to be successful. So I can't really compare them, but I do understand your point of – that it's hard to look at Megan without like the infamy of it all. The royal fame. Yeah. But J-Lo, not infamous. You said she was infamous. She's not infamous. She's just like multi-famous. Megan at this point feels infamous. Like I think that's a good moniker for her. She yeah. does feel infamous. Yeah. Um, but J-Lo mm-hmm. does not. She's just so megastar. She's like brilliant star in the sky that you can't ignore. I don't feel the same way about Megan. I think she's a talented actress. I would not say she's a great actress. I would reserve that mm-hmm. as Stephen King would reserve to say great writers. I would reserve that for people like um, Meryl Streep and um, mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman and people like that. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I, I would I would say she's a good actress. I wouldn't say she's a great actress. But anyway, moving on, I think it's going to be very difficult for her to find a vehicle for her acting um, because she is, as we have now established, a little bit infamous from her antics in the last couple of years. So I'm right. sad for them because the Muppets of Montecito, while hilarious, um, is uh, is sad. It's a sad. Nobody wants to be called a Muppet. No, Just no, unless I'm Waldorf or Statler, and I'll be glad for you to call me either one of those Muppets any day of the week because I love them with all my heart. <laughs> the two old men in the you know in the balcony, right, um, right. They are my very favorites, and you can call me that anytime you want. But if you're calling me Kermit, Kermit, like you know, although my best friend, she wouldn't mind being associated with Kermit. She loves frogs, you know, and Miss Piggy was kind of cool. Okay, maybe it's not terrible to be a Muppet, um, but <laughs> it but, just depends which Muppet you're being dep- called. Yeah, right. I mean, are we calling her Beaker because that was a Muppet? Right, um, right. Yeah. So our chef, chef was a good Muppet. All right, moving on from the Muppets. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. So. so. That was all to say that we didn't see the Sussexes on Christmas. <laughs> a little so bit of sorry. a tangent there. Well, yeah, we might have to delete some of that. <laughs> no, we have to, we're leaving it all in. We're leaving it all in. Um, so sorry in advance. Are you listening? Oh, wait, now you've listened and now you're like, why did they leave all that in? We're so sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Um, but somebody that we did see on Christmas Day, and this was a complete shock. And honestly, 
like 100% honesty here. I have been hoping for this moment for years. Yes, um, yes. We saw Fergie for the first time in 32 years. The Duchess Which of York was – Yeah. I mean, it's oh, it had been said that Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, was – he hated her. He hated her. They could not be – at the same place at the same time. So in the summers when everyone would go up to Balmoral and everybody would stay in the big house, she would go up because, of course, you know, she had – her daughters are grown now, obviously, and now they have their own children. But she had children that she wanted to spend time with, but she was not allowed to stay in the house. She would stay at a small cottage on the estate. So she could be there, but she could not be in Prince Philip's presence. Same with Christmas Why? at Sandringham. Why? Why did he hate her so much? Um, he felt she was an embarrassment to the family. Well, so it's interesting though because Philip, for if you want to talk about like people he would not be associated with, his sisters were married to Nazi, um, like Nazi. What's the word for people in the military who are like high-ranking officials? No, no, oh, like no. straight up Nazis. They were like in the mili- in the German military, and they were Nazi like military leaders. Um, and so he still would privately associate with his sisters, um, not publicly. But it's like okay, so Nazis. We're fine, but Duchess of York, <laughs> not okay. Like, all is right, it because she was a commoner. It's because she was a commoner, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was because she. He just thought she was very brash, very crude. So the thing about Fergie, one of the things I personally love about Fergie, is like she says what's on her mind. She is fun. She is just going to tell it like it is, and she's kind of like a no holds barred type of woman. And Philip felt that she was an embarrassment. And, you know, during the 80s and early 90s, she did have her moments where she was caught trying to sell access to the royal family. She was caught, you know, that infamous photo of her, like, having her toes licked or whatever by someone um, when she was cheating on Andrew, which was the final straw and which is what made the queen say, like, okay, you guys are getting a divorce. But the I interesting don't remember thing about- that at all. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, that happened. <laughs> there was a photo of her. We'll have to cover that. Like, yeah. yeah. But the, the, so like Philip just never <laughs> Philip just never forgave her. He just thought she was such an incredible embarrassment to the family. And he would not be in her presence. But what's really interesting about Sarah, Duchess of York, and her ex-husband, Prince Andrew, the Duke of York, is that they never actually wanted to get divorced. They were told that they would be getting a divorce because it was 1992. Princess Anne had just gotten divorced. Charles and Diana were having problems and then separated. The Windsor Castle fire had happened and the queen was like, we cannot take any more. You guys are done. And so they were told that they were going to be splitting up, but it's not actually what they wanted. And this entire time, you know, they've gone their separate ways a little bit. They've had separate lives. They've been living together for like 10 years. Um, essentially just living as husband and wife. And she always, when Sarah does press, she always refers to him as her best friend. Um, She always says she loves him, that, you know, he's the best ex-husband somebody could ever want. But there'd always been this thought amongst royal watchers that when Prince Philip died, Andrew and Sarah would get back together. And that the only reason they weren't officially back together was because 
Philip was just like absolutely not going to have it. The queen actually had maintained a really friendly relationship with Sarah throughout her life and was very, very close with her. And so it was, but still to this day, like until this year, we had not seen Sarah at Sandringham Christmas, even though her children had gone every year. Um, we never have really seen her at royal events over the last couple decades. And then after Prince Philip died, we started seeing her pop up a little bit more here and there. And then seeing her on the walk to um, church on Christmas Day was a complete surprise. And for me, just like, I loved it. I was just so happy to see her because that was the first time in 32 years she's got to spend Christmas morning with her daughters. You know, privately, I'm sure maybe they see each other before church or whatever. But Every year she's had to watch her daughters on TV and she's talked about that before, how it's hard to like watch her daughters on TV on Christmas morning. Um, And this year she got to do it with them. And so it just made me really happy to see. Well, so a couple things about that. A, Charles must be looking at her ex-husband and saying like, well, I mean, look at what your ex-husband has done. You certainly did nothing that was quite that embarrassing. And right. B, maybe he is has a more relaxed monarchy than Elizabeth had in some ways, which I'm which I'm hopeful for for all of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. C, um, if my dad told me that I had to divorce my husband, <laughs> I would be like, dude, I, I would like that would just wouldn't that just wouldn't happen here. I don't think like that just wouldn't happen right. in America. I mean, like maybe some people have really you know, very, very, very dysfunctional families and their dads can tell them not to marry somebody. But um, that just seems crazy to me. Like, Well, it kind of brings us back to the whole issue of Megxit, right? Like think of how much influence the monarch and being a member of the royal family, a working member of the royal family has on their private life because they are not just – a normal couple living their life who are having a tiff and their family is like, oh my God, you guys like get your, get your shit together. They were working members of the Royal family. They held very prominent public positions and it was just too much to have Sarah associated with the monarchy so closely at a time when she was embarrassing them so much. And so they, it was just kind of like that, that's part of, you know, if you look back at Megxit, Harry and Meghan didn't like the amount of control that the institution of the monarchy had over their private life and what they could and could not do. And that's just a very extreme example of how much influence there actually is over their private lives, enough that they can say you are getting a divorce, even if that's not what you want to do. Um, so that's insanity to me. Like really, it's just not insane. It's insane. But I do think I mean, that most of the family like I like Princess Anne seems to have a really good relationship with Sarah. I think that Prince Charles, I don't know what his really or I'm sorry, the king, my goodness. Um, I don't know what his relationship necessarily is with her, but I think that he appreciates that she has always been loyal to the crown and loyal to the family mostly aside from the couple times in like the 80s when she tried to sell access <laughs> um, and that she's been a really, really strong support for Andrew, that she has always stuck oh, yeah. by him. And yeah. I think Charles really appreciates that level of loyalty, you know? I think that's I mean, kind of like part of it. 
Oh, yeah. No, I think so. She seems, especially since all the Epstein allegations came out, she seems to have really stepped up her support of him because you see her much more visibly with him in the papers Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, He will be a fascinating person to... um, to review at some point because the Epstein um, association alone is enough to like fill three episodes. So um, yeah, I'm excited to, to do him at some point, even though I know it's delicious gossip, I'm so sorry, but um, you can't get involved with someone who has some known affiliations with some unsavory things and then expect not to be, not to be um, either a caught, but be uh, reviewed by people. Yeah. Well, the like, the court documents came out this week. I think they're coming out today. So there will be lots more Epstein stuff coming out for anybody who's interested in that story. Um, yeah. With lots more oh, people associated oh, besides right. Prince Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. It would be uh, interesting to see. Um, I would like to see that. And I would like to see from an Epstein point of view, who he was associated with, how it affects whatever their celebrity or uh, presidential or whatever brands there are associated with that. Because I think there's a lot more depth to it than you and I know about, frankly. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) They're expecting 40 names of high-profile people to be – actually, it says there are 187 mentions of J. Doe in the court papers. Many of these will now be given their real names, and they're expecting about 40 people to be unveiled in these court documents. How can they reveal their real names? Like, I mean, is it a FOIA thing? Is it a Freedom of Information Act thing? Judge ordered that the documents in a lawsuit linked to Maxwell must be unsealed. And so the identities are being revealed under a settled lawsuit against Maxwell. And I think that's why I just think it's because it's being unsealed. And the judge said that many of the individuals named in the lawsuit have actually already been publicly identified. And she didn't the judge does not re- raise an objection to the release of the documents some of the names will remain sealed including those belonging to child victims and it'll be interesting to see this it hasn't happened it's supposed to happen today i think but it hasn't happened yet this article is a bbc article that was 2 hours old so um all right well we'll we'll circle back to that yeah okay sorry moving on the king's speech it was a little bit of a departure yeah so okay so actually i did not I haven't watched the King's speech, um, but yeah, it was a little bit of a departure from what we usually see. The King spoke a lot about things. He didn't mention Harry and Meghan. He didn't really mention um, anyone specifically. He talked a lot about the importance of conservation and the environment and kind of moving forward. Um, He had said something that people were wondering, is this a little bit of a, and it's not really the King's speech. The King's speech is a speech that takes place during parliament. This is... Um, the King's Christmas speech, he had said something that kind of seemed like it could be a little bit of a, not like a, like a nod to Harry and Meghan, not any sort of dig or anything like that. But he talked a lot about forgiveness and moving forward and um, people finding peace in their lives. So it was, people were kind of like, is this just, you know, a general sentiment given the state of the world at the moment where there's war everywhere? Um, or is this also a little bit of a more personal nod to people in his life who he thinks maybe could do with a little bit of peace and um, just kind of calming a little bit? So 
Yeah, it was, um, we can link the transcript to the entire speech. I didn't watch it because, the reason I didn't watch it is because they also released on, I think it was the day before Christmas, um, a documentary called The Coronation Year, which was all behind the scenes stuff about the coronation and interviews with various folks who were in attendance from the Archbishop of Canterbury to Princess Anne, the Princess Royal, um, to Camilla's sister, Queen Camilla's sister. Um, and it was amazing. It was so beautifully done. There was behind the scenes footage of them adjusting St. Edward's crown and the imperial state crown and all of the different crown jewels and how showing us how they fit the crowns to the monarch's head and showing dress rehearsals where William, Catherine, and the kids were there rehearsing their specific roles. And it was just fascinating because we don't usually get that much behind the scenes stuff of the monarchy and all of the various ceremonies and all of that. And so if you have an hour and a half, the coronation year documentary, you can find links to it on YouTube. Um, it was really entertaining, really informative, and really just beautiful to watch because they just did such an amazing job with it. Um, and they also showed some really cute moments. There's right after the coronation when they were all getting ready to go out on the balcony, for example, there's a shot of Princess Anne walking over to where the king was standing. And she says, hey there, old bean. And he starts laughing and hit the smile on his face. Like he's so happy to see his sister. And he says, oh, you were able to make it, which is kind of silly because like where else was she going to be at that moment? But you could tell that they just he was so happy to see his sister and she was so happy to be there for him. And you don't usually see that with the royals. You don't usually get that level of, you know, comfort and familiarity with them because they're, they tend to be a little bit more reserved in public. We don't see their private lives. And, you know, to hear somebody say to the king, like, hey, they're old bean. And it's like, what? You just called the king old bean? Um, who do you think you are? And it's like, oh, you think you're his sister because that's exactly who you are. Um, so it was just... I highly recommend it. It was such a fun, fun thing to watch and it makes me happy. So everybody go watch that. We will include a link in the show notes. And then a couple other royal notes from last week. We received, as we do at the end of every year, the wardrobe tally for the Princess of Wales, Kate Middleton, who if you're following us, following along on all of our content, we have episode two of the brand breakdown of Kate Middleton coming up. So stick around for that. It's dropping tomorrow. The Princess of Wales saw the value of her wardrobe decrease in 2023, although it was still a total of 162,000 pounds that were spent over wow. the past 12 months. Now, this includes- That's a lot of money. The, That's a lot of It's beans. a ton of money. Um yeah, a lot of beans. Um, last year, it was 176,000 um, pounds. So she about a 15,000 pound decrease-ish, roughly. I'm bad at math and I can't do it quick in my head. However, it was her second most expensive year to date, obviously last year being the first most expensive. And she did have a ton of new outfits, including the jewels that she wore to the coronation, the headpiece that she wore to the coronation. But yeah, so it... This this includes, you know, the coronation gown that she wore. It includes the gowns that she wore to the various diplomatic receptions and state, um, like the, there was a couple different tiara events this year, state visits. I think there was 
um, there was South Korea, there was South Africa. So she had a lot of, you know, big moments in fashion. And those are all counted into the tally. The other thing that they do when they do these tallies that I think is slightly unfair, but I understand why they've got to do it. But when an when something has been custom made for her, which many of her clothes actually are custom made, they estimate the cost, which also feels a little bit unfair because we don't know. On the one hand, she's probably not being charged retail for something that is custom made. Then we have to decide, is she being charged? Like what would the markup that she's being charged actually be? Is she even being charged a markup when it's you know a bespoke piece? Because theoretically, the royals do not accept – or actually – the royals do not accept freebies, period. But that's not to say that for a brand, for example, like Alexander McQueen or Catherine Walker, where she's wearing their clothes all of the time, they may not, you know, they may make her a custom piece. And because they know that it's going to send the sales of the off the rack versions that are available through the roof, they may not charge sure. her the full amount. So, um, and then the other thing that Catherine does a lot is she wears, when she has a custom made piece, she usually has the same piece made in multiple colors. So is she getting a bit of a discount there because it's not nobody's having to create a new pattern and have separate fittings and stuff like that. It's just, you know, the same dress in three colors. So they estimate how much the custom things cost. Hard to tell how they decide on those estimates. I think usually they just they just kind of look at the retail price and assume it's roughly that amount. But yeah, overall Huge budget for 2023, which is a line item in the Duchy of Cornwall expenses. Is There's literally a wardrobe um, line item there. So those are paid for privately. They're not paid for by taxpayers. But it is considered one of their like business operating expenses when they do their financial reports. They don't itemize it in the Duchy accounting reports. They just say like there was a budget like a wardrobe line item. And that is part of what it's like William's clothes too. And the kids clothes as well. It's not just Kate's clothes. So it's hard to look at the line item and say how much of it was actually hers versus everyone else's. Um, but well, I, yeah. I will say so. this, that her clothing is a huge piece of her brand. So, um, Oh, for sure. You know, when we are breaking down her brand, I think definitely we should talk about the clothing because some of the things that she has worn, they're so iconically her. And then you see them on everybody else because, as you said, they fly off the shelves because everybody mm -hmm. wants to look like that. Which, P.S., there's nobody else who's going to look like that. Just have to put that out there. Literally. Like, e even in her 40s. But if she's, for she's what, 41 now? Yeah, she's going to be 41 this year. Yeah, even at 41, she um, – and I'm so happy to see this. She's still so stunningly beautiful. Um, which makes me happy for women everywhere that, you know, in our 40s and 50s, we can still look good and be not be completely invisible yet. You know, although she'll never be invisible. But the rest of she'll us. She'll never be invisible. No, but she also she understands the value of a good tailor. Like every single thing she wears is tailored within an inch of its life to fit her sure. so perfectly that nobody could possibly pull off. Like yeah. you could buy the exact same thing she's wearing and you could even be her exact same size and proportions. But the way she has things tailored, knowing everything has to fit just so, nobody could possibly like replicate what she's wearing. But yeah, we are definitely in the Kate series. We are going to talk a ton about the Kate effect, the way she uses clothes in a very 
diplomatic sense. She is one of the best diplomatic dressers when it comes to her clothing. Um, although she has had a couple oh, yeah. of missteps here and there where there were like some big miss opportunities. But we are definitely going to talk about the Kate effect because it has been hugely beneficial to some brands and it has actually hurt other brands because when she wears something, it like crushes their um, production and their fulfillment processes to the point where they can't right. keep up. And one brand has actually had to file bankruptcy because of it. Um, so yeah, yeah. not necessarily, not we specifically because of that. her, yeah. but because, yeah. So we will be talking about that on our Kate series. Um, and then final little bit of royal fodder for this weekly update. Sophie Winkleman, who is the wife of Lord Freddie Windsor and Lord Freddie Windsor is the son of the Prince and Princess Michael of Kent. So he is like 54th in the line of succession. He is a cousin to the royals. He is not a working royal, but he is a member of the royal family. So we do see them at larger royal events. Sophie Winkleman is an actress and she has she was an actress before she met Freddie. Freddie is an investment banker or something like that. And so she's one of the royal adjacent is the term I like to use. She's one of the folks that they kind of allow to speak about being royal much in the same way that they allow Sarah, the Duchess of York, or Sarah, Duchess of York, no the, um, to be <laughs> – she lost her the when she got divorced. Um, but she's one of the people that they allow to speak about the royals because she always does so favorably. And because she's not a royal, it seems very organic when she speaks about the royals. Um, and so – she did an interview with Tatler. She is the February 2024 cover woman um, because she is promoting season – I think it's going to be season two of um, Belgravia, which is a period drama that she's on. It's based on a series of books by Julian Fellows who did Downton Abbey and does The Gilded Age. And she is one of the main characters in season two. So she did an interview with Tatler and in it she talks about a whole – bunch of different topics. She talks about acting. She talks about, you know, her life in LA when her and Freddie got married. They moved out to LA because she was on Two and a Half Men for a few seasons. I think like seven seasons actually. Um, so they were living in LA for a while. And then when they had kids, they moved back to the UK. And so she talks about that. But she speaks about the royal family. And she's done this in another piece as well. In 2022, she did a op-ed for The Spectator, where she says she's actually got this really close relationship with the royals. And she was in a really, really bad car accident a couple of years ago. I think it was either at the beginning of – I think it was in like 2017, actually. Um, a really horrific car accident. She says that she was – she was conscious, but she was stuck in the car upside down and she really thought she was going to die. She had broken her back in a couple places and she had broken her legs, I think. Um, and she was conscious this whole time. So she was not in great shape being trapped in this car. And she says that the royal family stepped up like Prince, it, the king, who was Prince Charles at the time, sent his personal chef to make meals for her family two times a day, every single day for many multiple months. Um, all of the royals were like coming and visiting her in the hospital and calling her to check in and making sure that Freddie and the kids had everything that they needed while she was in the hospital recovering. And then once she got out of the hospital, the queen told her, you know, she had been going through physical therapy for a number of months and nothing was really helping. And she was speaking with the queen one day and the queen was like, the problem is that you need to get in the water. You need to be using the pool. We're going to arrange it. You're going to do your physical therapy at the pool at Buckingham Palace. Like, you know, 
she just says everybody in the royal family just went so far out of their way to help her family and her that um and she's like you know they're also she says they're really fun it's like they're such a great time to be around you don't like and she kind of says she's like I know you guys don't get to see it but like they're really funny smart people to be around like I love hanging out with my family um so that's like just a really interesting read if you want to get a little bit of insight into a little more um, behind the scenes of the royal family in direct opposition to everything that Harry and Meghan have said in the last 4 years Exactly. Yep. Yeah. In, and it's funny because Sophie is also, and I think this may be part of the reason the royals kind of, like they're not, they didn't send her out to do this interview, right? She's promoting her television show that's coming up. Um, the spectator piece in 2022 did feel like it was, the royals were like, hey, we need you to go out there and say some stuff. Um, but Sophie is an example of a member of the of the royal family who is not a working member of the royal family who did maintain her job as an actress her husband has a normal job they do not have security but they still get some of the perks they still go to the public events they still you know are included as members of the family and so i think the royals kind of like to showcase when they can like hey look we have nothing against a woman in the royal family who is an actress. Like, we fully know that people can have a job and also still be on excellent terms with the family. And they it, it's totally possible to walk the line and do it right. And, hey, they're even allowed to talk about the family. It's just what gets said is very different when it comes from Sophie versus when it comes from Megan. And she's just quite a juxtaposition. Because, you know, if you compare the two women, they're right about the same age. They have the same profession. They're both married to – they married into the royal family. They married men who were – you know, Freddie was never a working royal, but he he was a known entity when he was younger. He was much higher up in the line of succession. He was always kind of like tabloid fodder the way that all young royals are. Um, And so she's – when you compare and contrast the way those two – families handle their royal connections it's always just quite jarring to see that Sophie has nothing but amazing things to say and then Harry and Meghan will say the exact opposite to the point where they make it seem like oh they're not even allowed to work and Sophie's out there being like yeah I'm the star of like multiple hit tv shows (laughs) and you know my husband's an investment banker and we're doing just fine um doing all the things that some people say we're not even allowed to do so just an interesting little tidbit there. Well, I love to see the other perspectives because, you know, what we're bombarded with is one perspective, which feels very um, antithetical to uh, what you would want these people to be like. And then you see another perspective, which is 180 degrees of what we've been told in the last four years through the Sussexes. So, you know, maybe the truth is somewhere Mm -hmm. in the middle for most people, but it does seem like they're an interesting, interested family who's just a family. They're just a family. I mean, I know there's the institution piece and the firm piece, but they are still at the, you know, at the end of the day, they're still a family on one whole side, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think it's interesting because, you know, their family dynamic is different than what a normal family looks like, right? Like most people, 
99.9% of people do not have the means to send a chef to your house two times a day for many months to take care of you after you've had an accident. But they show – and, like, they don't – the royal family also, like, they don't see each other as much as normal families see each other because they're literally, like, jetting all over the world and stuff like that. But their dynamic as a family is normal to them and it's not problematic to anyone within the family except for – two people <laughs> right <laughs> who shall right. remain it's, nameless at the moment you know I, it just it kind of makes me sad like I know we've talked about it a lot but it makes me sad for them that they couldn't find a way to to um fit in is not the right word I can't you know to acclimate or to make their own way um it's sad to me that they had to you know blow it all up instead Yeah, I mean, I think that part of it was just they, they, I think we've talked about before, like they formed this hate bubble where they just became convinced it was them against the world. So even in situations where it didn't have to be so dramatic necessarily, they just felt like everyone was against them and they would never be able to do it their way on their terms, which may not have been the case. But they just, you know, they were so convinced that they'd never have the life they wanted unless they burned every single bridge along the way, which seems kind of crazy. Well, that unfortunately has backfired for them spectacularly. Well, I think Mm -hmm. that's everything for this week's Royal Weekly Wrap Up. Um, So thanks, you guys, for hanging in there with us. I know we had a couple of rabbit holes we fell down, which we always (laughs) seem to do, which is okay. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for hanging in with us for our Royal Weekly Wrap-Up. We'll see you again in a couple of days for our second in the series for Catherine, Princess of Wales. Thanks, Courtney, as always, for being the absolute source of royal things and knowledge and all the fun news and tidbits. We appreciate you so much, and we will talk to you guys soon.